Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I am your host, Rick Hughes. And for the next few minutes, as always, you have a standing invitation to hang in there with me. Listen up for a few minutes. It's just going to be about 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, some education, always done without manipulation. That's right. No appeal for money. No trying to sell you anything. We're just trying to give you some accurate information, information that we hope will help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. And if you're able to do that, then hopefully you will orient and adjust to that plan. It's your life. Your, your life is made up of your decisions. You're not going to be able to change anyone but yourself. You understand that now. You can't change anyone but yourself. And you can give information and you can see what God does, but you can only change yourself. So as I present this information to you about the unique life that we live, the unique Christian life, we are going into seven different lessons on this now. And we'll try to get it wrapped up here shortly. But I, I, this is something that I taught in Houston recently. And there is a DVD of this. If you'd like to see it, just contact me. We'll send it to you. But we live in a very unique time. We have unique opportunity. And that's what I want to talk to you today about our unique opportunity as Christians living in the unique time with our unique assets. We have the unique opportunity to watch history unfold before our very eyes and, and maybe witness the changing of the guard. Now, uh, if we are mature believers, that means if we grow in grace, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, what exactly do I mean a mature believer? Well, first of all, <laughs> believer, excuse me, <clears throat> believer is the key word. He must be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then once you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you move from being a baby believer to an adolescent believer to eventually a mature believer. Hebrews 5, the writer, whoever wrote that, said, I'd like to talk to you like mature believers, Hebrews 5, 11 through 16, but I can't do it. He said, you're still babies and you need milk on the bottle and you can't handle the meat. And sometimes that's true. Uh, sometimes young believers can't handle the deeper things of God. And when I mean deeper things of God, I mean uh, doctrines that are more complicated. So I don't know where you are spiritually, but a mature believer is a believer who understands the protocol plan of God. Let's start with that. They understand rebound. They know how to confess their sin and thus stay filled with the Holy Spirit. They understand how the filling of the Holy Spirit produces divine good, which is later rewarded the judgment seat of Christ. They understand how to use the faith rest drill. They are oriented to the Word of God. They are biblically oriented. They have grace orientation for sure, and they've reached a personal sense of destiny where they now know what God's plan for their life is. And they are using virtue love assets. They have personal love for God. They have impersonal love for all the weirdos, the people that they don't even like. That's what a mature believer is. He shares the happiness of God, and he's occupied with Jesus Christ. There are 10 problem-solving devices. I just named them for you. That's the flat line on your soul. 
A mature believer has a well-developed flight line on his soul, and he's able to glorify God through any exigency that comes into his life, any circumstances, anything. He can glorify God. So if we do our job, then those that are around us, those who watch us, those who see our lives, we will see the fruit, uh, they will see the fruit of our sacrifice. Let me put it to you this way. I'm going to repeat this principle for you. If a mature believer does their job, they will see the fruit of their sacrifice in the lives of their children, in the lives of their grandchildren, in the lives of their family and their friends. Sacrifice. That means we stick with the Word of God. Do you, do you remember the recruiter asking people to join the military? And, you know, during the Vietnam War, these soldiers that came back were spit upon and cursed and slapped and, and hated by the protesters. Uh, by the way, those protesters today now run a lot of our major universities, so you wonder where all the liberalism comes from. But, uh, you know, these men and women served valiantly in spite of the disdain that they faced and the hatred that they faced. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you face that same hatred. You face that same disdain from the unbelieving world. From the progressive liberal that doesn't believe in God, he's an atheist, he hates you, to the uh, people that sue because they don't want God in any of the public agenda, they get some guy, I understand, took a car and slammed into the Ten Commandments in a park because he hated it so much. Do you, do, are you willing to serve God and grow to be a mature believer and sacrifice your rights for people like this? Because that's what the military does. They laid their life down. They died. In, in Vietnam, 58,000 people died for people back home that couldn't stand them, that hated them. In Afghan, we've had over 3,000 deaths. In Iraq, over 5,000 deaths. Altogether, we've had over 700,000 Americans die to purchase and buy our freedom. And the freedom, for some people, to hate. To hate them, hate the military, hate Christians, hate anything that has to do with patriotism or Americanism, people that want internationalism over nationalism. Are you willing to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ to give these people an opportunity to hate you even more? Because that's what you have to do. You have to be willing to pick up your cross and follow Christ. Did he die for people that hated him? Did he go to the cross like a lamb without opening his mouth to people that, that, that schemed a way to get him killed? Did he buy time for them to hear the truth and maybe get evangelized? See, that's what you'll do. Your spiritual life is buying time. You are asking God to hold back the discipline on this nation that we rightly deserve so that they have an opportunity to hear the gospel, an opportunity to hear the word of God, an opportunity to respond. You know, the biggest mistake people make is rejecting the authority of their parents. A child's attitude towards authority, especially in the home, determines whether or not they're ever going to grow up. And it, you know, it's a shame if you're 40 years old and you're still a child in your soul. And by that I mean you're still selfish, you're still self-centered, you're still deceptive, and you're still needy. In other words, you're just a social misfit.
misfit. You can't handle life on your own. And we see a lot of those. A lot of people from well-to-do families that fit that right there. Selfish, self-centered, deceptive, and needy, and a misfit in society. The scripture guarantees a long life, a long life and a prosperous life to those who listen to the word of God. If you don't believe me, listen. Ephesians 6, 2, and 3. Honor your father and your mother. That's orient to their authority. Which is the first mandate with a promise so that you may be well with you and you may live a long time on this earth. Anti-authority attitude usually results in an earlier than normal death, I assure you. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my mandates for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. All believers in this church age, this unique time that we live in, we all have the same opportunity to execute the protocol plan of God. But part of the agony of regret It's when we realize that we had every opportunity to learn God's word, glorify God in time, and we chose to turn our backs on that. You chose to trot on down the My Way Highway to the drum beat of the satanic lure that people or circumstances could make you happy. You had self-determination and you used it on things that were inconsequential. They had no value. And physical death is the last opportunity to make a decision to receive Christ as Savior because after that, I mean, it's all over. It's never too late. Even the thief on the cross saw that. Now, our unique challenge is this. We must stay aware of the times in which we live. In 1 Peter 5, 6, and 8, the Bible says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he may promote you at the proper time casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Be vigilant. Humble yourselves. Be vigilant. Stay on the lookout. Gregoreo is the Greek word. It means to stay alert. And this is an imperative mood in the Greek. Imperative mood. In other words, this is a command. What this is saying is, this is kind of, you can understand this from our lives that we live today. Don't text and drive. Do not go through the Christian life not paying attention. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he may promote you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Humble yourselves. Be vigilant. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking some believers to devour. But resist him and stand firm in the doctrine. You and I must keep our eyes on the prize, not on the things that are temporary, but things that are eternal. The Bible tells you that in the Hebrews 12 too, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We must stay alert. We must stay mentally alert by means of Bible doctrine in our soul. If that happens, it results in the motivation to learn and apply God's word in your life. So being aware is the motivation to do that. It's the motivation to fulfill the dimensions 
of your spiritual life. The dimensions of your spiritual life, Ephesians 3.18, that you may utilize the power to grasp the idea with all the saints of what is the width, what is the length, what is the height, and what is the depth of this Christian life. Rooted and grounded in virtue love so that you can comprehend. Wow. Paul uses an architectural metaphor here that we could be rooted and grounded, set firm. Our foundation would be firm. We lay the foundation deep in God's word. So we stay alert. We're not, we're not deceived. It's not necessary to have a high human IQ to understand and fulfill the plan of God for your life. I don't, I don't have a high human IQ. I mean, I'm not a genius. But it is necessary to have positive volition. That's what's necessary. Positive volition means you want to learn God's word. You are willing to lay aside things that you may have a right to do so that you can learn God's word. In other words, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things I'll add. Matthew 6 is a promise about logistical grace provisions. You must have positive volition. That's what God is looking for. A few good men and good women, people that are hungry. And here's, here's, here's something interesting. It's, it's interesting how women oftentimes have more hunger for God's word than the men do. And I think that's because of the burden they bear sometimes with children and families. And men, like myself, we ignore things. We just go trotting down the road doing the things that we do. And sometimes we uh, forget the priorities in our life, what's important. We think what's important is we provide for our families and we work hard and we bring home a paycheck. And Well, yeah, that's important. But that's not near as important as you providing a spiritual heritage for your children. The width and the depth and the height of God's love, the width, well, that's a line in your soul. That's wide, a very wide line in your soul, like a flat line. It, it, that, that width needs to be miles and miles of the word of God strung together all the way across the battlefield of your soul where you form a main line of resistance so that there's nowhere the enemy is going to be able to penetrate. There has to be that width in your life. And length, the Bible uses the word length, mikos, and that refers to the word of God that circulates inside your soul, inside your frame of reference, built on learning and applying the word of God. That's what your soul is built on. Your soul has a has a uh, consciousness and a self-consciousness. That self-consciousness and that consciousness has a stream. And that stream is like a river, and that river flows all the time. Even when you sleep, you dream. That's that river flowing. And that stream of consciousness must have Bible doctrine. The Word of God must be in there. That's the length. That's referring to the doctrine that circulates in your soul. And the only way you can get it is by learning God's word. Psalm 18:15. the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge and the ears of the wise seek it out. There's positive volition. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge and the ears of the wise seek it out.
the Greek word for height, hupos, the width, the length, the height. The height is your impact in the devil's world. Historically and internationally, you can have an impact. Uh, you can be a blessing to a non-client nation by means of missionary outreach. Uh, we do. We send missionaries all over the world. We financially provide for those all over the world, people that are in need, people that need the gospel, people that need medicine, people that need food. And that's our impact in the devil's world as believers. And the word depth, the depth of the Christian life, can the word bathos can relate to our own invisible assets, those things that God provides for us. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. The depth of the wisdom of the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God. Proverbs 2.10 says, When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant unto your soul, then discretion and understanding will preserve and keep you. That passage right there, please turn and read it again. Proverbs 2.10, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, then discretion and understanding will preserve and keep you. Any believer who's mature enough to be aware of his circumstances, to be aware of the challenges, must also be aware of the discipline that his country may expect. And thus, I'm telling you, we are in for discipline. The only thing that will deliver this nation from what we are facing in the future is you. If you take your spiritual life seriously, if you use your volition to acquire the Word of God under the ministry of a well-qualified pastor, if you take a Bible, if you stay filled with the Holy Spirit, and you take a Bible and you start studying it and learning it as your pastor teaches it, and you grow to spiritual maturity, you would be part of the pivot that delivers this nation that buys time for future generation. But if you play church, if you play the game, if you don't grow up spiritually, if you put more time, more emphasis in other things, then you're part of the problem. You must be aware of what's happening. Listen, Satan may change his tactics towards you as you get older. You don't have the same weaknesses you had at 20 when you're 60. He'll adjust his schemes and he will try to discourage you continually. He will try to defeat you continually. That never stops. So you are to stay alert. In other words, don't text and live the Christian life at the same time. You must pay attention to what's around you because you have a unique future. That unique future for you is in Philippians 3.20, where it says our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by means of the extension of the power that he's even to subject, that he's able to subject to all things to himself. In other words, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is alive and well today. He's in the presence of the Father awaiting the shouted order to return. And he will give you, when he comes back, you'll come back with him. And he will give you a new body, a resurrection body. Anyone who dies today goes to heaven. Some of my dear friends are parting recently. They're in heaven. They're face to face with the Lord. They're not in their resurrection bodies yet. That doesn't happen until the rapture, but they're in some sort of, they're not a cloud floating around. I just don't 
I don't know. I assume they're in an interim body. They will be in that body until they come back and get their resurrection body. When they get that resurrection body, that's the body they will live in forever and forever and forever. It's a body like the body of Jesus Christ, the body he's in now. He's the only person in heaven in a resurrection body. I mean, there are angels there, God the Father's there, the Holy Spirit's there, and the Lord Jesus Christ is there in a resurrection body. In 1 Peter 2.11, I warn you as temporary residences, residence, this is not your home. I know you own a house. I know you own property. I know you like to look at your things and say, wow, this is beautiful. I mean, I'm the same way, but it's just temporary. It's not where we belong. He says, I warn you as temporary residences and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. In other words, luring you away from the Word of God, thinking that security is in property, that security is in finances, that security is in family and friends. In John 14, 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, Jesus said. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, your future place, your home, it's called Uranos in the Greek New Testament. We translate the word heaven. Now listen, you will go to heaven when you die. There's no doubt about it. And you will come back with the Lord Jesus Christ to this planet and get your resurrection body when he returns at the, at the, uh, at the rapture of the church. There's no doubt about that. And you will come back with him later at the second advent when he sets up his millennial reign for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, when the heavens and the earth are all destroyed, every bit of it's going to be burned up. You can read about it for yourself. Second Peter 3, read the chapter. You will see where everything we know, everything, poor people on Mars, you know, folks, there's Martians up there. Well, they're going to be in for a surprise. It's all going to be burned up. The elements are going to be burned up. The universe is going to be burned up. The earth is going to be destroyed, and God will create a new heaven and a new earth. And that's our residence for eternity on the new earth with the new Jerusalem. That's where we'll be forever. Not in heaven. We're going to be on that new earth forever and ever and ever. So we are currently ambassadors of heaven assigned to this location as personal representatives of Jesus Christ. We live here for one purpose. And the only reason you and I are here, once he saved us, he could have taken us straight to heaven, but he left us here to serve his interest. We will be recalled at the rapture, and uh, which incidentally is a declaration of war, and the tribulation will finish up the times of the Gentiles that is taught in Matthew, and it's not going to be a fun time, the tribulation, those seven years of Daniel's prophecy, those last seven years. But while we're in heaven, while the tribulation is going on here on the earth, we will be evaluated and assigned various rewards. This is all seen in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. And uh, we will see. The day will declare it by fire. There's so much more that I could talk about. What will it be like? But don't forget that we, 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 we have a thousand years in a resurrection body here on the earth, on this planet. Don't forget that. I mean, heaven is a perfect place. 
But not, our, not everybody there is going to be equal either. There will be different decorations for winter believers, the knighthood of the believer, the uniform of glory, the coat of arms, the hall of records. It's all going to be different. There will be a crown of righteousness, a crown of life, crown of glory, the morning star wearing the bright and beautiful uniform of the morning star. I mean, there's so much there that we could teach. I just don't have time. But it's not a place like you've ever seen before. You will be there in a resurrection body. You will have an eternal future in a body that will never get sick, never get old, never hurt, never have any pain. And you will live in the new heaven and the new earth, the stellar heavens, the new universe, and the new earth here on this earth. And Christ will be here with us in the tabernacle. We will love him and serve him forever and forever and forever. That's our unique future. That is very unique. And we just don't have time to teach on all of it, but maybe that's some stuff you've never heard before. Read Second Peter 3. See for yourself. It will all be destroyed. Everything we know today, a catastrophic destruction because of the evil of Satan in wicked places. Everything Satan touches is going to be destroyed. The universe, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, even in the stellar universe, It'll all be wiped out. This earth will be wiped out. And there will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. And we will have new bodies. And we will live there forever and forever and forever. But now you're here. You've got time left. Who knows how much? I don't know. You don't know. But we're here. And we're here for one reason, to buy time for those behind us. To purchase the opportunity for them to hear the gospel. To grow spiritually, become part of the pivot, hold off the discipline of God on this nation because it's coming. Just keep watching the news. It's coming. Anybody who stands up for Jesus Christ, anybody who stands up for anything right and rationally rejects sin and evil that is in our nation today will be persecuted, will be hunted down, will be maybe even slaughtered one day. Who knows? It's coming. You must grow spiritually. You must depend on God's grace in your life. You must be the pivot that holds this nation together. That's why I say these things to you. That's why I teach you these things. I'm counting on you to grow spiritually, to sacrifice anything to get the Word of God and get it as fast as you can in your soul so that you can help deliver the nation. You can provide a future for your children and your grandchildren apart from the discipline of God on this country. We are evil, and we are looking forward to that discipline, but hopefully you will buy us time. Until next week, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for listening to The Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.